Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Yo, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jacoby Gillum. This episode, you know, it embodies everything that Nine Point was founded on. You know, the underdog story, the the person that looks in the mirror and says, you know what, I'm not giving up on my dreams. No matter what hand I'm dealt, I'm going to keep battling, I'm going to keep fighting, I will overcome this. And our guest today, Jorge, Jorge Sanchez, you know, embodies all of that. His story lives this, you know, how he overcame cancer, overcame a coma, you know, being cut from a team to learning wheelchair basketball, becoming a Paralympian. There's so much in his journey that that we can all learn something from and be inspired by, you know, and be inspired to keep chasing our dream, to keep, you know, to keep fighting. So hope you enjoy, hope you get inspired, hope you, you know, are motivated to keep chasing your dream, keep going after your goals, and let's get to it. Well, the question to ask everyone that, that comes on when we first get started is, when you were a kid, what was like your biggest dream and goal you wanted to achieve? Yeah, so my goal was always um, similar to yours to become a D1 athlete um, and then, you know, just become, I guess, a star. I wanted to be a star. I wanted to be the best at whatever I did. At, um, at first, it was baseball. Baseball was my my passion. I absolutely loved it. Um, I, I remember going out with all my friends, playing baseball on the field. Um, my parents supported me in the stands and everything. And um, that, that dream really came down crashing pretty hard whenever I was diagnosed with cancer, you know, um, I didn't really th- have a chance to think about sports then. It was just survival mode. I was just trying to overcome cancer, survive that. Um, and it was a very, very stressful situation. Um, I did endure 23 surgeries. I was in a coma for two and a half months after my amputation because the doctor pulled the skin a little too much. So the next day, um, my leg like it kind of exploded and um, I lost a bunch of blood. So I was in a coma for nearly three months. And um, I mean, the doctor told my mom and dad, like, hey, he's not going to make it out alive. Um, but they stuck through my side. They believed in me. Um, they a lot of prayers, a lot of a lot of support from a lot of different people. Um, so I wouldn't be where I am without the people in my life, you know, without my village, without my community. Um, so I'm super grateful to have them in my corner and I'll still have them pushing me to be better every single day. Um, so, yeah, just that's a, uh, what I wanted to become. I wanted to become a D1 athlete. I wanted to be um, I used to look up to Chavez from the Oakland Athletics. Okay. Um, he was a shortstop. So that Eric was my Chavez. position. Exactly. Exactly. So I used to look up to him and I always wanted to be like him a shortstop um, but like I said after I was diagnosed with cancer um, kind of my perspective on life changed and and my dreams changed and what age was that again I was eight years old when I was diagnosed with cancer eight years old man eight years old and that, that's wild because like I do I, I do stuff with like um make a wish out here in Arizona yes absolutely you know, and there's like these young kids that have these you know you know these illnesses Right. So like when you're that young, how do you process that? Like, how do you process, you know, like this big thing? You're so young. How do you how what was your mindset? Yes. Yeah, so I remember actually going to the doctor um, multiple times and they would be like, ah, it's growing pains, you know, like he's just growing. He's young. You know, everybody goes through this. And my mom just really insisting to the doctors, like, no, there's no way this is growing pains. You know, like I would fall randomly, um, just like walking, I would just fall. I would get really, really nauseous, which was something like kind of like weird, you know? And um, my aunt and my younger cousin did have cancer. They lived in Mexico. Unfortunately, they did pass. Um, so it had been two people prior to me that in my family that did have cancer. So my mom kept pushing the doctors like, hey, like, 
get an x-ray, get an x-ray, get an x-ray. Um, and the doctor finally agreed to do an x-ray. And uh, that's when we found out I did have cancer. And I remember going to McDonald's right after to a play place, um, playing with my sister, like not worried about anything. I'm at McDonald's, you know, I got a happy meal. I have uh, my sister, I'm playing, I'm playing out on the, on the playground and all that. So I was good, you know? So I remember looking over at the table when my mom and dad were eating at McDonald's and them just like, like crying nonstop. Um, so I went over there and asked like, Hey, like what's going on? You know, like, like, did we get bad news? And they're like, yeah, you have cancer. And again, I was just like, I don't know what cancer is. I'm eight years old. You know, um, I was just like, well, give me some Tylenol or rub, rub some Vicks vapor rub on me. Like I'll be fine, you know? Um, but it was very, very severe. And I didn't realize that until I had my biopsy and then started going through chemotherapy. Um, so yeah, at first I thought it was just like a joke. Like I said, a common cold that you could just fix with whatever, you know, but it was, um, something very, very serious. Um, and I, that, that's kind of took everything kind of lighthearted. I would always try to be positive, um, throughout the whole situation. I would see my parents cry and all that. And I'll be like, I'm fine, you know? So like, like, just trust me, like, we're going to get through this together. Like I have you guys and that's all that matters. Um, so that's why I'm super grateful to just have, like I said, my village, my community, um, behind me, my family, my friends, um, everybody just really supporting me. Um, and I, I want to give credit to that, to that. That's why I survived cancer, you know, um, cause I should not be alive. As I mentioned before, I did go through, um, a coma for nearly three months and I should be dead. So now I'm trying to make the most out of my life and, and inspire the younger generation to be better. And that's, that's it. It's inspiring to hear, just hearing that first part, right? I mean, like you're eight years old. You, you go to your parents and say, "I'm gonna be all right," yeah. you know, like you know. And as an adult, you're thinking cancer. You do think you know the word is probably right. You just think like, okay, you need to know they're affected with cancer and they've been through it twice with the other members. But you're like saying, "Hey, we got this. We're you gonna know? be okay. Exactly. We're gonna, we gonna be okay." And, exactly. I, and that's just powerful, man. So, so as you started chemo, you started all the treatment stuff. How did you keep that mindset? You know, I'm sure it was tough, you know, as an eight-year-old kid. How did you keep the mindset saying, you know, I'm, I'm still going to fight through this. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be somebody important, you know? Um, so yeah, with that, uh, it's just my mom and dad. Um, they came over um, when when I was, uh, my mom was pregnant over to the United States from Guadalajara. And I've always saw them just never make excuses for anything, you know, always persevere through whatever, um complications or problems would come into their life you know they've always been uh, they've always had that fighting spirit they've always been warriors to say um so I, I got it from them I would give credit to my mom and dad um they never gave up on us they always wanted to provide the best life they possibly could which they did and I'm super grateful for them um so I would say I got that uh, the fighting spirit and and the positivity from my mom and dad um both of them uh so yeah that's just trying to keep a positive mindset throughout it all shout out to the family Yes, exactly. The family. Shout out to the family. To but it was family. very difficult. I remember my aunt uh, running her, her hand through my head and then just taking out a big like ball of hair. And that kind of really like that's something that like out of many things that um, I don't remember, that's something that definitely stuck out to me. I was just like, wow, like I'm losing my hair. You know, I'm like definitely like going through it right now. But family kept me positive. So I'm sure like, you know, it's easy to say like it was it was being positive was like like a lot like like a lot of it, but on those days that you were scared, man, like like was it still just family that that could kind of kept you through, or like or how did you kind of deal with like you know that fear, you know, because and just you know it's reality sometimes. 
Yeah, man. Oh, definitely went through some days. Uh, there was a lot of crying, a lot of a lot of doubt and stuff like that. But it was always family checking in on me. You know, just random people, um, my neighbors coming in and checking up on me on on in the hospital with unannounced. You know that that would be moments like that that would uh, make me want to fight harder. You know, because it wasn't just for me um, surviving. Uh, I kind of, I guess, I kind of made peace with whatever happened. Happens, you know, um, and that's kind of how I I am now. Just. Um, I'm a firm believer in um, whatever happens, it happens for a reason. Um, so, I, I mean, I was comfortable with whatever the outcome was, um, but I knew I wanted to fight for the other people, for my family, for my friends, my neighbors, my community, because they believed in me and they had sacrificed a lot to try to help my family, whether it be financially, spiritually, um, through this difficult situation. Um, so seeing their faces is just a reminder that uh, life's a lot bigger than just myself, that that there's a lot in life that that I can achieve and, and can inspire and motivate. So that that helped me a lot. Dude, are you sure you were eight years old? I was eight years old at the time. <laughs> I was eight years old. <laughs> Man, you were, you were a wild eight-year-old, my guy. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. I mean, I was going through a tough situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to process, just being in the hospital, uh, two and a half years of chemotherapy. Um, so, yeah, it was difficult. So, so the coma piece, right? So you went coma for three months. Correct. So may not be direct the right question, but like, like, what was it like, you know, just to have the, get to wake up, like, you know, like, what, what was that? Like, how do you kind of process that? Like, I've been like, on for three months. Right. So I didn't even know I was asleep or in a coma for three months. I um, honestly, like, I remember my leg, like, exploding and seeing blood rush onto, like, the sheets of the bed. Um, and, and then I blacked out. Like, that's all I remember. Um, it's just the stories that my mom and dad tell me, like, of what happened afterwards. Um, but I honestly don't remember any of that. I remember waking up three months later, um, seeing my mom because she never left my side. She's like, that's my rock. That's my best friend. Um, my mom's amazing. You know, she's my superhero. Uh, so uh, I get, um, so I'm super thankful for her. I remember waking up and just seeing her sitting by my side, just reading a book. And uh yeah, and just kind of being groggy and just, just like, wow, I just uh, had my leg amputated. I'm good now. And um, and then I had people rush in. Uh, and at the time, I still didn't have a lot of oxygen like in my body. So when people rushed in, my oxygen levels dropped like tremendously because I was excited to see everybody like, you know, like what's going on. Um, so it was a shocker whenever I woke up. I, like I said, I don't re recall the past three months. It was just like I was in a deep sleep. Um, but definitely waking up was a sign of relief, um, mainly for my parents, because like I said, I didn't know exactly what was going on at the time. I thought I was just waking up from like a nap. So, man, so, so, so once you, so once you, you, you're up, your life amputated, yeah, you kind of have like a, like a, a new life in a sense, right? Yes. So, so once you kind of have, you know, this new foundation of life, what what was like your thoughts on what's next or or, or what because you're still you're still at eight now are you nine now or yeah, I, i'm nine at the time after i'm um, having my leg amputated um and i still had um a year of chemotherapy just to make sure that the cancer was completely gone like they did amputate they took the, the um the um cancer way the osteogenic sarcoma was the type of cancer i had they took that out but they wanted to do chemotherapy for another year just to make sure that there was nothing there um and the reason i uh forgot to mention but my parents actually gave me um the decision on whether if i wanted to have my leg amputated or keep it um because there was two options um have it amputated or i could keep my leg but i would have surgery every time i grew and at the time i was eight nine years old so it would be a lot more surgeries and i was just ready to get the whole thing over with like i was tired man i was exhausted i was just like whatever's going to be the, the the easiest whatever's going to be the fastest 
and whatever's gonna reduce the chances of me can of cancer coming back. So my parents is like, listen, you're gonna live with this the rest of your life. So you make this decision. So they gave me the decision at a young age of eight um, to have my leg amputated. And that's what I went with because it was the smart, the right decision to make. Um, I knew that I would be able to adapt to whatever, you know, a prosthetic leg, no problem. I'll adapt to that. You know, let's just get this over with one thing at a time. Let's get this over with overcome cancer. And then we'll go from there. But uh, yeah, so after the leg amputation, the three month coma, um, waking up doing another year of chemotherapy, I was very lost, very depressed, very um, anxious, didn't want to leave my house at all, at all. You know, it was a constant staring from people. Um, and I didn't really mind little kids staring at me because I mean, I was young myself and I was curious, you know, you don't know when you see someone in a wheelchair, you're curious automatically, you want to hop in that wheelchair and see what's up, you know? Uh, so uh, I um, just very super anxious. So I wasn't like upset or um, or anything with like the younger people. It hurt me more when like older people would like stare or like point at me whenever I was like grocery shopping or at the mall. Um, Cause I knew I was different. Obviously I was sitting in a wheelchair, I was missing a leg and that was very, very difficult. And it wasn't until I accepted myself, like, this is me, this is who I'm gonna be. My leg is not gonna grow back. My like, you know, like I'm, I'm gonna have to use a prosthetic. Um, so it wasn't until like my friends started pushing me, inviting me to come outside. Let's go play, uh, kick the bottle. Let's go play tag. Let's go play tetherball. Let's go do this and all that. Um, uh, that when I started to accept myself and started to really show myself and others that I can do absolutely everything that everybody else is doing. You know, I can play with the little kids and play might be a little bit different, you know, playing tetherball, sitting down and everything, but I can do absolutely everything that my friends are doing. Um, so that was kind of like a little wake me up call, like, okay, I can do it all. You know, that's not, there's no reason to be scared. You're different. It's all good. Um, we try, we, tr we spend most of our lives trying to fit in, right. Trying to wear the same, like the things that cool people wear and all that. But um, honestly, the cool people are the ones that stand out that are different and aren't afraid to, to show that. Man, Mike right there, Mike drop. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll adapt to that. I'll, I'll really like that. <laughs> and so, so, so coming, so coming from on the other side, right? So, so saying I was that person at the grocery store, right? And I saw you and I'm curious. I want to maybe to learn your story, maybe kind of get to figure out, you know, hey man, what happened? Now, is there a appropriate way for someone to do that? Absolutely. So like my problem was with the people that would stare and like chit, chit chat, like, and not actually like come up to me, approach me and be like, you know what, like, hey, I'm interested in like what happened in your life. Like, you know what, what did you overcome? I I'm completely open to anybody. I'm like an open book, you know, like I will open up to anyone um, because I do want to motivate and inspire anybody that I can. I don't know what, like, I don't know what the person at that grocery store is going through. And if I can share my story and help them in any way, um, that would be amazing, you know? So it was, it wasn't a problem with like people coming up to me. I'm very approachable. I try to be as friendly as possible. Um, like I said, I'm always positive and everything. So uh, um, that that's why I had a problem. Just people that kind of like, talking i guess not smack but just talking about me um in the corner in front of my face but not in front of a exactly yeah. exactly so to those people that are interested or, or or have a curiosity about like what happened like i say approach that person because you never know um you could become best friends with him or her and and um yeah there's nothing to be scared about everybody should be approachable and yeah i'm an open book so whenever you got anybody wants to come up talk to me i'm here Definitely. Hey, and get an autograph too while they're at it, right? No problem. My <laughs> pleasure. It'd be an honor. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so you're now, you're, you're nine years old, you know, you're, you're now adapting. 
right? And you're now, you know, learning how to live with your new, your new life. How, when did you start having new dreams? You know, like, you know, now that, you know, life is going to go on, I'm going to be healthy, you know, and I'm going to live my life in this version. When did you start having more dreams of like what I want to do next? Right. Yeah. So like middle school, I mean, uh, elementary school, I kind of just went through the motions, um, did a lot of homeschooling. Uh, Middle school is really when I started to integrate myself back into like society and started going to school, making friends, all that. And at the time, like I said, uh, I just wanted to be cool. You know, I wanted to be all my friends. I just wanted to be um, going to 7-Eleven, grab Slurpees, doing all that. You know, that's all I wanted to do, all I thought about. Um, But it wasn't until I started walking again. Um, this cool story of, of how I started walking, actually, my mom and dad went on a vacation to Hawaii. So they sent my sister and I to uh, my aunt's house in Los Angeles. And they have a pretty big family. There's uh, six of them. Uh, so we were going to the movie theater and my aunt actually lied to me. I was not aware. I really thought my wheelchair didn't fit inside the car. Um, but she was lying to me because she wanted to force me to walk. So I put my prosthetic on and walked uh, to the movie theater. M- minor walk, nothing too crazy. And, um, and my aunt's like, see, you can do it. You can walk, you know, you don't need your wheelchair. And I was like, yeah, but I'm tired. She's like, we'll stop. Like, if you need to take five steps and sit down, that's what we'll do, you know, but you have to start getting used to walking and all that. And like, she really, really pushed me. And I credit her to me now being able to walk and being um, not wheelchair based every single day um, and every, depending on the wheelchair. And that's how I started walking and how I became independent and how I wanted to inspire um, those people um, and what made me feel good is I put jeans on and people couldn't really tell that I didn't have a leg. So there wasn't all focus on me, you know? Um, so that made me feel good about myself. Um, and then, um, I started wearing shorts. People started staring again. Um, but then I accepted that. I was like, okay, cool. People are staring. Cause they think I'm like Iron Man, you know, they think I'm like bionic man and all that. So, um, started to see it was super, super cool. And then started going back to the hospital where I was diagnosed, where I was treated and seeing kids suffer and going through the same situation I was going through. Um, and that really motivated me. Um, and that's where I found, I guess, my passion of, of trying to, to uh, do public speaking and also motivating the younger generation and showing them that there's absolutely nothing we cannot do. Um, the, the only limits we have is the ones we set ourselves. Man, so, 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 so what was that first step like, though? You know, like just Ooh, the... painful. The first step was painful. <laughs> 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 that's what I remember uh my nub is shaped a little bit different because of the, of the uh, complication that I had after the amputation they um what they did is they took my tibia and they flipped it and fused it with the femur so I have half my tibia and half my femur on my left side that way my nub kept growing as I kept growing otherwise my leg would be this short instead of being uh as long as it is now making it easier for me to walk also I had to take um two abs and put them onto my nub um, because the muscle tissue did die whenever the leg exploded. Um, it was exposed to the air, so the muscle tissue died. So I'm missing two abdominals that I have now on my uh, nub to protect the bone. And then a skin graft for my right leg to cover up the left because of the skin that was ruptured. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very complicated. I have a very different nub um, compared to everybody else. It's not very smooth um, or aesthetically pleasing, but it's who I am, and it makes me different, and I love it. You know what I'm saying? Um, so... So the first step was painful. Um, 
I would get blisters all the time and I would hate it. Just like I, I got blisters from wheelchair basketball. Same thing. I hated wheelchair basketball at first. I would get blisters. You can see one right here that I have right now. That's extremely painful. Um, but uh, it's just part of life, right? Nothing nothing worth having is, is going to come easy. So it was painful at the beginning, but the more you practice, the better you get. And now I love walking. Man, shout out to your doctors, man, your surgeons, because the yes, that sounded like exactly that was took took like an innovation right there to figure out you know the. I was the third person. It's called the turnoplasty. I was the third person in the world to have that procedure done, and uh, thank God it was successful. <laughs> yeah, hey man, third, hey man. So you, so you you were really like, like, you're you're like setting the standard, man. Like you know, like you're setting the standard of, of what's possible in, in terms of, you know, like mindset, you know, if you have the mindset that I'm going to overcome this, whether, you know, it's cancer, you know, whether it's, you know, getting cut from a team, you know, whatever grand thing we may think in the world is big to us at the time, you're right. putting, putting your standard, like saying, you know, if you got your mind right, you right, people around you, you know, you can overcome anything. 110%. And I have some stories about being cut. I've been cut from Team USA quite a bit, and I could have given up, but never did. Because, again, it goes back to what you're saying, brother, about the mindset, about just being positive and knowing that you deserve what's coming. You know, like, you know what's going to happen because we work too hard for it not to happen. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So so when did you find, you know, wheelchair basketball? How that how that come about? Yeah, so I was actually at a Costco grocery shopping with my mom. And uh, I was just pushing around, helping her shop around, trying to get as many um, of the of the samples as possible. Because back in the day, they did have the samples, and I was yeah, a huge fan huh? of that. <laughs> so, so just chasing around samples, and this guy came up to my mom and I, and he asked if I have ever heard of wheelchair basketball. And I was completely in shock. I was like, there's sports for people with, like, disabilities? I was not aware. Um, and that's one of the things I'm passionate about is spreading uh, disabled awareness, disabled sports throughout the world, because there's so many people like myself back when I was 10 years old pushing in Costco that don't know that have just uh, that have the access to disabled sports. So that's one of my like passions, um, just bringing the sports out to, to the spotlight. Um, but like I said, I was taken back, did not know what wheelchair basketball was. Um, I was like, oh, it's probably going to be dumb. You know, it's going to be slow. It's not going to be cool. And I remember going out that Saturday to um, Berkeley, California, because I'm from the Bay Area, to um, BORP. Uh, it's called, it stands for Bay Area Outreach Recreational Program. Um, it's a program in the in the Bay Area that does cycling, um, cycling for the disabled, basketball for the disabled, for the youth. Um, great program. So if anybody's in the Bay Area, definitely recommend um, checking out BORP. Uh, but yeah, I went out there and I just saw these kids having the time of their lives on the basketball court completely free, just like living their lives with freedom. And I was like, wow, that looks amazing. And I hopped in a chair. And, and as soon as I hopped in the chair, um, I, I, I lost track of like who I was. I, was, I felt so free so fast. Um, no problems, no worries in the world. It's kind of like uh, my sanctuary, like what Kobe says, you know, whenever you go into cross those lines, um, that's your sanctuary and all the problems go away and you're just being yourself that's the power of sports man it kind of takes us to a different a different world where we're like we're, we're, we're just invincible almost right absolutely absolutely 
So, so yeah, so you're not, not in a chair and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm about to cross this guy up, right? Exactly. Yeah. I was like, well, I'm about to like get a little jumper and all that. Like I'm trying these different things, but I look goofy because it's my first time in a, like a, a sports wheelchair. I still don't know how to control it and all that. But like like you said, just the, the sense of feeling free, the sense of, of uh, like belonging, the sense of falling in love again with the with the sport. Like I mentioned, bat- baseball was my passion and I absolutely loved it. And I got that same feeling when I stepped onto the basketball or I should say rolled onto the basketball court with my wheelchair. It's just a sense of, of happiness, of belonging. And and also appreciation um, because I had been through a lot and I see these other people with disabilities that have it a lot more severe than I did. I'm, I'm just an amputee, you know, um, that's the way I describe it. I'm just an amputee. I can wake up, put my leg on, go on a walk, go grab groceries. Um, I can reach stuff that's high up. Um, but there's people w- with spinal cord injuries that have um, a more severe disability that can't get up and, and go, uh, you know, like use the bathroom. They have to get in their wheelchair. They can't reach stuff in the cabinet that is too high. Um, they can't, you know, they have to calf to use the, the bathroom, whatever it may be. I just felt very fortunate for just being an amputee and um, being able to live a, a, a regular life, quote unquote. So so as, as, as playing wheelchair basketball, right, how like accessible is that? Like, like you just go outside and just you know use a regular hoop and and ball, or do you have to have something that's like more regulated? Or so the rules for wheelchair basketball are a hundred percent the same as uh, regular basketball. We just don't have a carry because we're allowed to put the ball on our lap. But steps um, steps are considered touches of the wheel of the wheel. So if you touch a wheel, that's a step. Just if you touch it, it could be with the index finger, could be your whole hand, change of direction, whatever, that's considered a step. And you get two touches of the chair, same as two steps before you have to dribble the basketball. The hoop is 10 feet, three-point line's the same, free throw's the same, same distance um, between hoop to, from one side to the other. Um, so a lot of, like I said, I I, uh, I, I thought it was going to be like a little miniature hoop, you know, playing with yeah. your basketball, but no, it's a, we're, we're athletes, you know, we're out there to compete. We're out there to, to win. We're, we're not there to, to play little kids games and all that. We're, we're there to compete. And, and that's why I fell in love with the sport because I felt normal again, you know, yeah. with same hoop, same size hoop, um, all that. Uh, so, so yeah, just a little bit of a difference be, and just with the carry um, and double dribble. But besides that, everything's, the same. Hey, man, I, I want to go play with you one day, man. I, I'm a, I'm a, Whenever I'm, you want. I would love that. I, I'll, I'll come to the Bay and, you know, we're, uh, I'll figure, I'm, I'm going to get, because I can't, because like my dribbling sucks anyway. So for me, <laughs> I, I might have a, have, a, have a better shot with just, you know, doing, doing <laughs> I got you, bro. I'll show you the ropes. No problem. But I'm not going to take it easy. Because like I said, once I get on that court, that competitive mode comes hey. out, you know, Mamba mentality. <laughs> Love it, love it. We got something happens for sure. So, so at what point did did it like did it become like I can I can I can really get at this. Like I can make the maybe go King USA or you know you know pro wheelchair basketball. When did that mindset shift? So whenever I started playing wheelchair basketball, I had no idea about the Paralympics either about like Team USA and like reaching that level. Um, that was like out of sight. I didn't had no idea. Um, I did discover that I could receive a full ride scholarship to go play wheelchair basketball. So that's when I became like passionate about the sport and really started trying to become better. Um, and I approached my high school coach and I was like, hey, like, um, I would love to start attending your guys' practice and practicing with you guys. And at first he looked like, whoa, bro, like, I don't know, you know, you're in a wheelchair. Like, are you going to hurt other people? Are you going to get hurt? We don't want to hurt you. Um, 
and and I showed him what I could do. And he was like, absolutely, you'll you'll be part of the team. He's like, you're a part of the team now. You're not just going to practice with us. Like he, they gave me like the whole uniform. They gave me everything. Dublin High School, shout out to Dublin High School. Um, they made me feel a part of it. And I got to train with them. Um, I became closer to basketball. And uh, that's when I realized that I could receive a full ride scholarship and my uh, started to receive um, scholarships from University of Missouri, University of Illinois, um, University of Alabama, um, University of Texas at Arlington and all that. And um, and as soon as I received those offers, I started to take it a lot more serious. I did decide to uh, to accept the scholarship from University of Texas at Arlington, where I spent five years, um, graduated with a degree in advertising, a minor in marketing in Spanish. And uh, while I was in college, I found out about uh, USA basketball because there was a few ballers that lived out in Dallas um, that played for Team USA and, and wheelchair basketball. And uh, yeah, it was thanks to like Jason Nelms, people like that, Matt Scott, that really believed in me. And they're like, hey, man, like we're going to be teammates one day. And like that really motivated me and 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 just worked my tail off until until I reached the the pinnacle of our sport, which is our Paralympic um, Paralympic level and a gold medalist. So. So. So if we just like flashback, right, man, like if we yeah. flashback to the eight-year-old eight Jorge, right, just, just at McDonald's, just found out he had cancer, and we fast forward to that moment, getting offers, or just even now, you know, being a gold medalist, what would you say to that? Like, I, I would think you were lying. I'll be like, this is my life. Like, uh, I remember about two weeks ago, I the iPhone creates like memories, you know, that you, that you have with your photos. And uh, dude, I lost it. I started crying because my life has been incredibly amazing and just extremely blessed to be in the situation position that I am. Um, just I feel really, really lucky. Um, I know that I've had a tough life, but I know everybody has a tough life, you know, and I want to demonstrate to everybody that we can persevere and that we have to be we have to become one, become a unity, become together, you know, not always fight and and, and argue about nonsense every single day. Um, we have to be positive. We have to look at the bright side in life because life is beautiful, man. And it should be cherished every single day. Um, be thankful for what we have, not for what we don't have, because there's a lot more that we have than we don't. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I would be like, man, that's a lie. There's no way Jorge Sanchez chubby. Cause I was overweight chubby, um, eight-year-old Jorge Sanchez is going to be a Paralympic gold medalist. No way. So just feel super fortunate, super blessed. Um, and just want to give back as much as possible. And like, I, I, I hear your story and I'm thinking like in my head, I think this, this, this right here, it's, it's like, it's like a movie, you know, it's like, <laughs> thank you. You know, it's, it's like. There's so much inspiration and so much triumph through your through your your odyssey, right? You know, like, you know, the cancer, learning, you know, the coma, you know, learning how to walk, you know, learning how to, you know, just you know, we that we say be normal, right? Right. And, you know, exactly. and there's so much in that, and you just said, "I'm not giving up." Never. I, I Never give up. I can't give up. Right. Exactly. You know? It, it would be disrespectful to the people that believed in me to just give up. Boom. Yep. <laughs> Boom. And so, so, so you're, so you're now, a, a, you got a scholarship, you know, you're, so you're now at a division one school, right? You're, you're now UT Arlington. How, how did, how did you make it onto the Team USA team? You know, you had those guys believe in you, but how did you actually, you know, put in the work to say, to earn that jersey 
Yeah, so we would have uh, practices from 7 to 10 a.m. every day, Monday through Friday, with uh, University of Texas at Arlington. Plus, we would have our shooting and lifting. But I would go back at nighttime and shoot some more, you know, because I did believe in myself. And those people that believe me, like I said, it would be disrespectful to them um, to believe in me and not me not put in the work. Um, E.T. The Entertain, the Entertainer, I believe that's his name, uh, a motivational speaker. I really love, love, love. <laughs> what like he stands for and what he says and he says don't be don't be upset with the the work you did not put in and, and that stuck that stuck with me forever you know because it's true you can't be mad at the work you don't put in um so you can ask everybody at my university like i was constantly in the gym constantly in the gym trying to become better 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 every single day and then finally co uh coach ron likens noticed me um from just playing at, at the college level and he invited me out to try out in 2013 to go to uh, the america's cup to qualify for world championships in south korea um and I made the team and, and, and that made me even hungrier, you know, now I'm part of the Team USA. I just don't want to be a part of Team USA. I want to help the USA win a gold medal. So just just always finding new challenges, new motivation to, to, to be better every single day. Boom. And then you said you said you were cut a few times, right? Yes. So I made the team in 2013. We won gold. Um, and then 2014, 15 and 16, I was cut from Team USA three years in a row. Um, and that was difficult, 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 you know, um, uh, just hearing, I guess, like, you're not good enough to make this team. It's like, damn, like, I've worked so hard for this to be told, like, hey, like, not this year, maybe next. Um, and I could have given up. I could have been like, ah, you know what, it's, it's two years in a row now being cut. There's no way I'm going to make this team or three years in a row now being cut. I'm not going to make this team. But those guys that are were on that team made me feel as if I was part of the team and like. They still, we still talk now. And it's like, you remember in Rio in 2016, I was like, bro, I wasn't there, but they feel like I was just because of the person I am on um, the athlete I was and all that, you know? So uh, um, I wanted, I wanted to make team USA. I wanted to be able to become a gold medalist. So I never stopped working. I persevered through being cut. Um, I just, just found different types of motivation. And, and thankfully, you know, I was able to call those guys, my teammates. And, and last year in Tokyo, we won that gold medal. I got the bling. Exactly, bling bling. <laughs> Walking around like Biden, just you know? buying it like and a couple teeth marks, just a couple. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> My man. So 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 you've so you you've gone to the pinnacle, right? You you're now an Olympic gold medalist. Not many can say that, right? And you know right. you're you're a Paralympian, you have you're you have a special place in history. So so what's next for you? Like like what's the next goal? Like is it um, there's uh, many things I'm trying to accomplish right now. Uh, 2024 is definitely in my sights. I want to go to Paris and win a second gold medal with Team USA. Um, but not only just win a gold medal, I want to be the best wheelchair basketball player in the world at that Paralympic. So I'm striving for that, you know, working every single day to become the best wheelchair basketball player in the world, because that's what I told myself I would be when I was playing baseball, you know, I'd be like the best baseball player, but now it goes to wheelchair basketball. So I want to become the best wheelchair basketball player in the world and also try to start my nonprofit um, organization because I, I, like I said, I wouldn't be in the situation in the place that I am now without the people around me. And there were so many people that helped me out and there's still so many people out there with disabilities that need help, that need whatever, counseling, if they need um, a wheelchair, because wheelchairs to play wheelchair basketball are, are roughly $7,000. They're not cheap, you know, not a lot of people have the financial needs or means, I should say, 
to, to purchase a wheelchair or a, a racing chair for, for track or whatever. And I want to be able to provide that and give those kids a gateway because everybody deserve, deserves to play sport um, and, and sports change people's lives. And I firmly believe that. And, and that's what I want to do. I want to provide scholarships, sports equipment, um, counseling, whatever people with disabilities may need. Man, dude, you're you're dope, dog. Like, <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. And so, so if we taking your story right now, and, and and say they're they, you know, a kid right now that just found out they have cancer, or you know, to say you know, even an adult that just found out they have cancer, right? Yeah. What what would be your advice to them if you can give like just like just like a, like a closing statement to them? I would just say believe, and nothing is impossible. That's it. Just believe in yourself, believe in the people around you, and nothing's impossible. You know, the, the power of mindset, um, like, like I said, the biggest barrier, the biggest limitation we have is, is a handicap on our brain. If, if you believe that you're not going to do something, then you're not going to do it. But if you believe that, uh, in, in whatever it may be, and you know that you can accomplish it and you put the work in, then it's attainable. And um, you can survive, persevere through any situation. Yeah. One day we're gonna make a movie out of this. Okay. <laughs> I would love that. Let's make it happen. Let's do it, brother. Let's do it, Jacoby. I'm down. <laughs> this, this, like, this is like, I couldn't even fathom like going through what you went through. Like, I'm, I'm trying to put myself in that position. You know, like, I, like, like, I had an ACL tear, and I thought the world was ending. Right. right. You know, and, and just the thought, that, like, and I was like 17, 18, you know, and, and I, I, I like struggled through that mentally sometimes. Right, right, absolutely. To think that you were eight years old, nine years old, and how you you just kept fighting, man. I, I think that's something that people are going to hear this, and they're going to say, if Jorge can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. You know? And that's what I want, you know? Uh, and, and I don't really want people, like, comparing their stories to mine or whatever, because as I mentioned before, everybody goes through certain situations or circumstances, some more difficult than others, you know? But we all go through it. We're all struggling, you know? We all struggle at some point in our lives. And I just want them to know, like, everything's going to be okay. And if they need help, not to be afraid to reach out to whoever, you know, I've had counselors, I've had mentors that have helped me. Um, so to not be afraid if you are struggling mentally um, to reach out, um, because there's people out there that want to see you win and, and just know that. Man, boom. So to me, question for you, man, how can I get a signed Jorge Sanchez jersey? Just send me uh, your your address and I got you. <laughs> I got you. It's going up on the wall. I got wall. you for real. It's going up for sure. I appreciate <laughs> that. Hey, for real, that that means the world. Like, so we're still battling the Paralympics. Um, and Paralympians are still battling to try to be seen as regular athletes or just as athletes in general. Um, so you asking for my autographed jersey means the world to me. You know, because it shows that we are making progress as Paralympians to become and be respected as regular athletes. Oh, so man. I appreciate you, Jacoby. For real, that means the world to me. Um, um so thank you, man. Oh man, you the goat right now, man. Go. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. <laughs> and then last question for you, man, is where are you at right now? Social media, website, something we can mention right now? Yeah. So uh Instagram, athlete underscore Jorge, J-O-R-G-E underscore Sanchez with the Z at the end. Um, that's what I'm mostly most active on. Um, so yeah, just hit me up on there and I'll, whatever you guys need. If you guys want to just chat about what's your basketball, you guys are going through whatever. Um, I'm here for you guys. So man. Hey, man. Uh, uh, enjoy España. Thank you very much. Gracias. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll be, we'll be in touch soon for sure. And I'm, Sounds I'm, good. I'm, I'm getting this out sooner than, sooner than later.
Like, Sounds good, Jacoby. Yeah, I can't wait to, to hear it. And thank you very much for having me um, on this podcast. It's amazing, dude. And, and I felt nothing but good good energy from you. So so yeah. we'll definitely be in contact. Hey, appreciate you, my man. Hey, appreciate I'm you, cool. brother. Have a good day, all right? Thank you. All right. Peace. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.